Hi, this is Colin McCallan. Thank you for listening. Please help us out by leaving us a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Thank you. Welcome to Is This Legal? Here are your hosts, attorneys Colin McCallan and Russell Hedges. Hello, hello again to another episode of Is This Legal? My name is Russell Hebbets. I'm here with my partner in crime, Colin McCallan Esquire. Oh, man. Thanks for adding on the Esquire. You're, you're I, welcome. I spent three years uh, earning that right, thing right. a lot of money. I mean, we should really sign our names that way every time. Well, if, if you know, if, if, if I, I'd normally have to just write Colin McCallan Squire, but uh, the three years of law school makes it Esquire. Well, that way, that way they know you're not a knight's I'm assistant. From the Knights Templar from the <laughs> right. mid-century, right? I am not that. I am an attorney, and I'm happy to be back here with you, Russ. And I'm happy to be here as well. Today, we're going to be talking about the U.S. Post Office and all the madness that has been going on. Lots of craziness out there, right, Russ? I mean, pretty much like every day for the past, what, two weeks, probably, there has been new stories about the post office, like whether it's, you know, Trump is defunding the post office, just trying to steal the election. Whether the Democrats are trying to steal the election by wanting mail-in voting. Right. Because that's fraudulent, right? Right, exactly. And and, uh, we want to be clear, ladies and gentlemen, we are not doing a partisan podcast yeah, today. We're, we're not talking heads here. We're not pundits. We're, we're, right. you know, I'm not Rachel Maddow. You're not Sean Hannity, right? <laughs> no, I, I just look like him. <laughs> uh, and so we, we are going to attempt to explain this controversy uh, because there actually is a lot here that deals with the law. Um, you know, states suing the federal government, uh, federal law versus state laws, you know, preemption comes to mind. There yeah. really is a lot going on here, huh? Th- there's a whole lot going on and we're going to break it down. We're going to break down kind of the organization of the post office, what powers Trump does and does not have. And we're going to go through any criminal liability, civil liability, and hopefully everyone's going to be entertained and more educated after this podcast. And if you're not entertained, let's just be completely honest. That's on you, listener. Uh, <laughs> be open to being entertained. All right. Right now, take a moment, get in the mindset of I'm going to be entertained. All right. So let's roll, let's roll into it. Let's uh, set it up, right? Let's set up the controversy here, Russ. Um, I mean, this kind of, I guess we can start with the with President Trump's view on the Postal Service as well as mail-in voting in general, because he has pretty strong opinions about that, right, Russ? He, he's been for quite a long time. He's he's not a fan of mail-in voting. He has kind of consistently for a long time been saying that mail-in voting perpetuates fraud. You can't regulate it. Um, the election will not be valid if mail-in voting is used to a large degree, which given COVID, mail-in voting is being used more and more. Um, more and more states are going to mail-in voting. Here in Colorado, we've we've had mail-in voting for a couple of years, right. and it's been universal, and we haven't had any problems with it. Well, well, let me ask you this. I mean, we know how outspoken Trump is on this issue. Um, he's the president of the United States, Russ. Doesn't he have the authority to shut down the USPS? Can't he say, you know what, no more, uh, no more mail? 
Um, this is a, this is within his purview, isn't it? So the president of the United States does have an amazing amount of power, most powerful man in the world, probably. Uh, but that is one power he does not have. So then, who has the power to kind of regulate the postal service? The power to establish and regulate the post office was given explicitly to Congress, and that is in the U.S. Constitution. Right. Uh, the U.S. One of the enumerated powers that is given to Congress uh, in that constitution, in that document, is basically Congress has the power to set up the the Postal Service, and then in the same sentence, they also say, and the public roads and highways. (laughs) Right. So, So Trump could not say, that's it. I don't like this. The post office has run horribly. It's been losing, you know, over the last 11 years, it's lost $69 billion, which isn't a staggering sum. It's clearly not profitable. He cannot turn around and say, this is a horrible organization. It's not efficient. I'm shutting it down. He doesn't have that power. But he does have some power with it, right, Colin? He absolutely does. Um, So uh, the president is the person who appoints all of the board of governor members of the United of the United States Postal Service. So the the board of governors works just like the board of directors for a company, for a big corporation. Uh, exactly. You've got these officers, they are appointed by the president and they are confirmed by the Senate. And so who are these people? Well, right now in summer of 2020, uh, there are six board uh, board members of this board of governors. Every single one of them have been appointed by Donald Trump within and, the last uh, three and a half years, and, uh, which is interesting because they actually have uh, seven year terms. Um, but it just so happened that you know the deck shuffled where all of these guys, they are all the president's men uh, running the Postal Service, and all of these people have been confirmed by his Republican Senate. And, and that that just, you know, I, I heard that fact when we were talking about this before, and it just it's just so surprising to me that it would fall that way. You know, you have seven-year terms. Trump has been president for the past three and a half years, and it just turns out that Trump has appointed every single person on that board. Right. Now, now it's important that he has appointed every single person on that board because while he doesn't have direct control over the post office, he appoints them. They're the ones who appoint the postmaster general. That's exactly right. And, and his name is Louis DeJoy. We're going to talk about him in just a second. That you know, there, there actually are some safeguards uh, with regard to the appointment of this board of governors. For example, uh, they can have up to nine members and no more than five can be members of the same political party. Uh, so they actually do have, uh, I guess, restrictions on how many party members are of one party. But yeah, Russ, yeah. do you think that solves the issue? <laughs> no, I mean, back, back in the day, maybe when people, you know, stuck to their party, maybe that made a difference. I mean, right now, so first you have, there can be up to five of the same party. Right now, there's only six. Right. So, so that, that's that's not that powerful right now. Yeah. And, you know, the second thing, if, if you know, Trump wanted someone to be on there, and let's say there were five Republicans already on there, and so that was the ceiling. 
he wants someone else to be on there. Uh, it's not that hard to say, hey, go change your affiliation. I, I, in Colorado, we're allowed to change our party affiliation. Like, I can go do it right now in five minutes. Right. Um, it's, it's online. You can just go to the, I so, think it's a Secretary of State website. Yeah. Click so a few buttons and you're done. That's one of those kind of anachronistic rules where maybe at one point it was actually a safeguard. Right now, I personally don't find that too compelling to safeguard anything. Um, but, you know, again, we're talking about the post office. You know, typically you wouldn't think you need to really safeguard anything about the post office. It seems like a pretty nonpartisan agency in most uh, cases, right? It, it does. Although, you know, from from the Republican point of view, you know, their position is what I, what I alluded to earlier, which is this is a massively inefficient organization. Yep. This is an organization. To be fair, they lose billions a year. Billions a year. Yeah, billions a year. They are losing money. And, you know, if you're a pure capitalist free market person and you don't view the post office as a service, as a public service, it's run abysmally. And why wouldn't you want to remedy it? Well, and that's a great segue because, again, we're talking about what powers President Trump has with the USPS. We know that Congress really has the authority to fund and um, regulate it. And uh, but, but what else does President Trump have with regard to finances, Russ? Well, well it's, yeah, it's, it's that funding and finances. So it, the, cons- the Congress has the right to establish it and organize it, but the funding still goes through Congress and through the president. So, so he has veto power. He has veto power. So if they don't, and, and that's coming up right now. So one of the things we're, we're talking about is, you know, the Democratic House passed back in May, I believe, the HEROES Act, which is another additional stimulus bill, which sets aside $25 million for... Um, billion, I think. Yeah, actually, you're right. $25 billion for the post office. Um, so that funding for the post office, in order to keep it operational, has to go through Congress and the president. So if Trump doesn't like it, if he says the post office is trying to perpetuate mail-in voting, which is fraud and which is going to steal the election, and I don't want that to happen, I'm just going to veto it he and can hold not up their fund funding. It. Exactly. He, exactly. And so let's come back now to Lewis DeJoy. So uh, we were talking a moment ago about this board of governors, and one of their most important powers is they, not the president, but his appointees get to select who the postmaster general is. Uh, Russ, let's start talking about Louis DeJoy. Um, who, I mean, I'm assuming, guy, uh, I'm assuming he was a mail carrier who worked his way all the way up the ranks, like you know, through the like, you know, like fifth generation exactly. mail carrier. Yeah, like he was he he delivered mail, then he worked his way up into the the, the sorting room, <laughs> then he became a manager. <laughs> then you know, the next thing know. he's a postmaster general. Yeah, right? I mean, I don't know how the ladder goes in the post office. <laughs> what what are those intermediate steps? But regardless, um, that's not him. Okay. He was not, he did not work his way up through the post office. He was never involved in the post office before. He, he's strictly a businessman, right? A very successful one. He, he's out of North Carolina and he had several companies and, uh, you know, sold one like 20 years ago for like $615 million. So he, he, uh, 
uh, I mean, he, he ran some very big companies. And then um, before his appointment to Postmaster General, he was, he was involved in the Republican uh, campaigns. Uh, he was a campaign strategist for the Republican Party as well as a major party donor and fundraiser. Yeah, he, he donated uh, um, roughly $2 million to Republican causes, I think about 800000 to Trump directly. Um, so he, he definitely is a Trump supporter, and I'm sure um, President Trump was uh, consulted before sure. he got appointed and he he likes but that that falls right in line with what uh, president trump says he's trying to do which is trying to you know make it more efficient right. make it run like a business exactly and you know stop fleecing taxpayers for this organization that needs to run more efficiently and so uh mr DeJoy gets appointed in june of 2020 so he is a recent appointee he's been on the job for two months what are some of the changes that people have been talking about russ that have made the media and kind of made this a controversy yeah so let's go through those i think i had he was may so may or june so either way in any he might case, have been appointed in may started in that, june that something be, like that. that could be so in in any case very new so here's what he's he has Here's what he is alleged to have done. All right, so some of these are um, contested, but here's here's what people are saying he's been doing, and we'll we'll kind of go through them. He has he wants to require first class postage for election mail. Okay, so how election mail typically gets first class treatment, so it gets delivered in on the shorter time frame rather than normal or bulk mail without having to pay for normal without having to pay for first class mail. He wants to eliminate or curtail overtime. Now, this was sent in an internal memo, but it wasn't yet implemented. He wants to uh, eliminate late or extra delivery trips. So yeah, that's interesting. Explain that one. So, so that one, that one is is a big one because what he basically says is, and there's a pilot program already in place. So this has already been instituted in well over a hundred um, mail mail locations. So basically, if you don't get as a carrier all of the mail delivered in one trip or in wh- however many trips is allotted to you in the time frame, then you're just done. So if you have mail left over that was to be delivered, that just sits in the post office until the next day. And you can see how that would cumulatively add up where, you know, you're, there's going to be delays and there's going to be significant delays. And depending on how good they are with like first in, first out, you know, maybe some mail will be sitting there for weeks right. and not be delivered. So that's a big one that a lot of people are kind of jumping on as, hey, this is going to, like, ballots are not going to get to people in time to be counted for this election. So that's a big one. Um, there's another really high profile one has been the removal of pickup boxes and sorting machines. Right. Th- this one's interesting because the 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 joy the postmaster general has said this is just standard operating procedure. Right. We we take uh, mailboxes that are out of commission or that need maintenance or that have been damaged, and we take them out of circulation. We relocate them, um, or, or or that are low low free, low, le- free, low frequency. Exactly, right? they're not used often. They're in they're 
people are putting their mail somewhere else and it's not worth it to have a carrier go every day to collect these box when there's like three letters in them. So let's decommission them. So now obviously the other side is saying, no, this is actually an orchestrated move to keep delivery boxes from being available to people, especially in cities where generally people vote more democratic. That, that, that's right. That's what people are talking about. We're not done though. I mean, uh, just, we're just talking about the last two months on, on August 7th, um, the joy had announced that he had reassigned or displaced 23 senior United, uh, United States postal service officials, including the top two executives that oversee day-to-day operations. So this has been, I mean, you know, standing back, looking at, looking at it, you know, you have this new postmaster general who's making sweeping changes right before uh, a presidential election. During a pandemic. During a pandemic. <laughs> that We haven't even brought that up yet. I mean, we're relying on mail more and more. I mean, universal mail and voting, that's going to be what's required, it seems, because people are not going to want to wait in line in person and risk yeah. exposure to COVID. And, and more and more states, because of COVID, have been moving that way. Um, in order to, you know, uh, lower the chances of an outbreak. So, of course, all of this stuff happening together has um, has kind of created this controversy, and and is and we're we're looking at all of these individuals saying, okay, what's going on here? If anything, is this right. just is this an overhaul of the postal service that's just happening? coincidentally with all this other stuff going on or is something more nefarious going on here right because you know it's it's worth noting that DeJoy got appointed because the prior postmaster general retired so this wasn't a case where someone got right. pushed out in order to get DeJoy in to make these moves you know on a specific timeline so it's, it's just worth noting that so so right is this part of a bigger plot a conspiracy or is this just standard operating procedure and we have an answer to that question which is we're not going to answer it (laughs) (laughs) we're not touching that with a 10-foot pole today what we are going to discuss though is what these changes have provoked because they have provoked some legal action haven't they russ They, they have so there's multiple things going on in response to these changes so um there are 22 states in total that have signed on to two different federal lawsuits. One of them is suing the um, President Trump and DeJoy. Another one is suing DeJoy and the Assistant Postmaster General, I believe. And, And these are civil lawsuits. These are civil lawsuits. So these are federal civil lawsuits. And explain explain what you mean by federal, Russ, because this is going to be important. This is important. So so here here's the deal. Your federal means that we're not talking about a state law violation. And when you're talking about mail, mail by its nature travels interstate, right? You have mail that crosses state lines. Anything that crosses state lines falls under federal jurisdiction. That's correct. Right? So so these lawsuits aren't going to be filed in like the home state of the attorney general's office that's filing them. This is going to be a federal lawsuit in United States District Court, right? It, exactly. Yeah. The state of Washington is the lead plaintiff on one of these cases. One of the and I think there's a total of fourteen or sixteen states that have signed on. Colorado is one of them where Colorado has signed on as a plaintiff on that case. And what they're alleging is they're essentially alleging constitutional violations. 
So they're alleging that it's constitutional violations of the state rights or of election rights. So they've, they're tying it to the 10th Amendment, which we've talked about in prior podcasts, which is what gives state the power in the absence of federal law on whatever that issue is. They're tying it to equal protection claims under the Fifth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. They're also tying it to the Twelfth Amendment Constitution, which I am willing to bet the Twelfth Amendment has never made an appearance on the Is This Legal podcast. So welcome, Twelfth Amendment. Come I, on I, down. Come on down, Twelfth Amendment. I will, I will tell you, I, I recently, in preparation for this, started looking at the Twelfth Amendment, and I, I fell asleep. <laughs> you passed out on the board. Um, for, as I far didn't as the pass Constitution, out, I fell asleep. All right. <laughs> let's let's get this straight. <laughs> as far as constitutional amendments go, this one, uh, in stark contrast to most of the other ones, is very, very long, very verbose, very boring, but it deals with the Electoral College, right. which is very, very important, Russ, because uh, in the Constitution, basically the Electoral College is created, which says, look, uh, in order to elect a president, the states have to send their electoral votes they have to submit them for you know for the national election results for a president to be officially elected. And the states are in charge of that, right? Not the federal government. So so some of you might have been saying, wait a minute, where, where do these states get off? And, and by the way, it's in, uh, in fairness, it's worth noting that all of these states' attorneys general, I think by and large, are blue states. They yes. are states uh, that have a Democrat, a Democrat elected as the attorney general. So you're not seeing red states suing the president right now over this issue. So um, you know, some of our some of our listeners to our podcast may be saying, "Wait a minute, this is this is all federal. The post office is federal. Uh, Congress, uh, the presidency, can't can't these bodies decide what they're going to do nationally with the postal service and and these these states? Where do they get off trying to sue the federal government? Russ, doesn't preemption explicitly prevent these lawsuits from happening? Yeah, it doesn't when the states have the the power and the duty, not just the power, but the duty to establish state elections. Right. Right? Because these are not these are not state posts. <clears throat> these are national, this is the highest national elected office. Right. And and it's in, in, and again coming back to the challenges that are specifically being raised in this lawsuit, the states aren't saying, hey, we have a right to mail, you're depriving us of mail. They're right. not saying that. Right. What they're saying is we have a right to a free and fair election, which we are not able to accomplish if we do not have the Postal Service. So essentially, uh, the, the federal government's refusal to fund the United States Postal Service has a direct um, impact and, and, and actually harms uh, these states that have mail-in voting. Right. That's essentially the cause of action, and the Constitution allows them the key to make these arguments because they have the, the rights under those constitutional amendments we talked about to do this. All right, so so Colin, all right, fine. So that's what they're saying. They're saying that these changes have impacted their rights. They're not going to be able to do the voting. Um, I mean, aren't they just a bunch of babies? Because DeJoy, just on the 18th of August, said, and put it in writing, hey, I understand your concerns. I see that these lawsuits are filed. I am not going to make any of these changes. 
not continue any of these changes, I should say, until after the election. So he did say that. And so he, and that problem happened, solved, that, right? <laughs> that statement came, I think, exactly three hours after the lawsuit was filed or, or they, them, these right. states announced that they were going to file it. So, you know, they, they kind of said, okay, we're going to reverse course. Nothing's going to happen before the election. Um, I'm assuming that all of these states should just withdraw their, their uh, lawsuits, right? <laughs> I right. mean, th- that makes sense. We can, we should just take his word for it. <laughs> right. So, so that's one of the big issues. So they're, they're unfortunately, uh, and maybe, you know, if you're in business, maybe intelligently, you're not going to take someone's word for it. Right. Right. So just Trust because. But verify. Right. 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 Uh, exactly. Is that Reagan so, who said that? Or. I do not know it. Someone. Famous said that. I, I don't remember. I'm going to use it, though. Yeah, I mean, trust but verify. I, we, we need to get the source so that I can use that because I like it. <laughs> trust but verify. It, it sounds, it sounds very serious. It's very pres- presidential. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, so yeah. So what, what they're doing is saying, we want a court order to force him. We want an injunction that says he will not institute any of this. But that's not all they want, well, that right? would, Well, that would, uh, just to put a point on that, if they got an opinion... That would be binding authority because remember, they're filing this lawsuit in United States District Court. Um, The federal judges would be looking at this issue and even one federal judge who agrees with any of these 22 plaintiff states can say, you're right, Um, uh, what what the postmaster general is doing is undermining the election. Um, This opinion says that you cannot do that. That would be binding authority that would actually literally prevent DeJoy from doing any of these proposed changes. Right. They have the, the federal courts, the federal judges have jurisdiction over the federal organization, which is the United States Post Office. Right. Right. So, but that's not all they want. They don't just want that injunction to prevent these future changes from happening. What they're asking for, at least one of the suits explicitly is asking for, is a vacature of the operational changes that have already been made. Right. Okay, so that's a vacature is a fancy Latin way of saying, go back to where, where you were. Well, and it's interesting that you mention um, that because even though DeJoy had, you know, came reverse course and said, okay, we're not going to, we're going to suspend all of these changes until after November 3rd, uh, there were, there were still, anecdotes of people submitting photos of you know to Twitter showing that mailboxes are still being removed right. that mailboxes are still uh, being decommissioned that sorting machines are still being removed so I, again it, it's one of those things it, now now can any of these plaintiffs prove again that those those changes that are happening are outside of the normal business practices of the USPS I don't know but I think that's why these these states are still continuing with this lawsuit so so let's let's talk about criminal liability because right now we've talked about civil suits from 22 states but that's not all that's going on right now. Right. Um the, out of New Jersey um, I believe the is, is it the attorney general? It's the AG. Yep. He well, commissioned well, the, a, the a governor has asked the AG in New Jersey to convene a grand jury to investigate any state law violations re- related to the election and to look at liability of Donald Trump and DeJoy. Right. 
that that's going to be interesting. I mean, because obviously we're not we're not going to go through and recap everything that happened with the Mueller investigation. But the one thing that seemed to to bear out was that a sitting president uh, cannot be charged with a crime. I mean, that was something that was repeated over and over again, and right. um, and and that might hold up. So, uh, I mean, when we're talking about criminal liability, do we expect anything to happen to the president while he's in office? No, we don't. But it is interesting that there's talk of these. You know, grand juries being impaneled in these states, they have the authority to do that. Right, right, they do. And and I'll tell you, there's there's another one, um, Representative Hakeem Jeffries and Ted Lieu, um, Democrats out of New York and California, sent a letter to the FBI asking FBI Director Christopher Wray to investigate whether DeJoy's actions violated federal election law. So there right. are some to investigations. I, I, don't, I don't know if they have agreed to do that. No, I, no, I know no, they've been right. asked. I, right. To my knowledge, the FBI is not investigating and, this at all. And, and honestly, I wouldn't expect them to. No. Um, but there, there was a letter from Senator or from Congress people asking that. And like New Jersey, I think it's likely that there will be one convened. If they're going to do that, though, Colin, if they're going to actually find criminal liability, what are they going to have to tie together? Well, this is going to be old hat for our uh, listeners of our Men's Ray episode, but you're going to have to prove intent on the part of the president. You're going to have to prove that he intended on subverting the election with his actions. Right. And and so here's the best evidence they have that they did this. And obviously, Donald Trump says a lot of things and tweets a lot of things. But the best evidence they have to this is a quote he made on a phone interview with Fox Business News. And I'll read the quote for you. Uh, President Trump said, they want $25 billion for the post office. Now, they need that money in order to have the post office work so it can take all of these millions and millions of ballots. Now, in the meantime, they aren't getting there. But if they don't get those two items, that means you can't have universal mail-in voting because they're not equipped to have it. If we don't make a deal, that means they don't get the money. That means they can't have universal mail-in voting. They just can't have it. Hmm. So that's that's the quote. Now, he later went on Fox and Friends and said, no, the reason why we're making these changes is to make the post office more efficient. And he's actually walked back some of his attacks on mail-in voting. I mean, he's actually said that it needs to be uh, happening in some states. So... um, you know, we're so, still going to be sorting this out. Yeah, and, and, and that that right there, yeah, that's evidence of intent, but that's yeah, not strong. That's not going to convict anybody. No, that's not going to convict. That, that may I not mean, even it's get... It's within his power to, if he has a legitimate reason, to defund the United States Postal Service, and he can he can articulate that reason, I think he's okay. Right, exactly. And, and this quote, yeah, it basically says that he knows that not funding it will affect it, but he doesn't say he's not funding it right. in order to achieve that goal. Exactly. So, um, kind of putting a bow on this guy's uh, the the controversy's not over. At, at the moment, this may change, but um, Louis DeJoy has been uh, asked to come in and testify before the House of Representatives, and he's scheduled to do that. We're recording this on, uh, on, on the Thursday, 20th. on the yeah, 20th. He's going to be doing that next week. Uh, so we will see what he says. Uh, that will be a sworn testimony, and we'll have to just uh, see what he says and go from there. But we will be watching this because uh, I, I, we hope we, hope we kind of highlighted 
not only what's going on with this controversy, but what uh, kind of all these legal uh, concepts that surround it, because it really is interesting. Yeah, things to be aware of, and we don't expect this to be over. So in the meantime, come visit us. We You can check us out on Facebook at Habits McAllen. Uh, on Twitter, is this legal pod? You can see short videos with Colin and I, if you want to put a face to the name uh, at is this legal TV. Dot com. Reach out to us. Let us know your feedback. Uh, we'll take negative feedback too. I mean, it's all about, there's no such thing as bad press, right? Right. Feedback is feedback. So if you have an idea for an upcoming episode, we'd love to hear that as well. Um, in the meantime, Russ, you got anything else? Nothing else. Be safe and thanks for listening. Take care, y'all. You've been listening to Is This Legal? See you next time.